All right, with a legendary career spanning five decades, Kansas has firmly established itself as one of America's iconic classic rock bands. This garage band from Topeka, Kansas, released their debut album in 1974 after being discovered by Wally Gold, who worked for Don Kirshner, and have gone on to sell more than 30 million albums worldwide. Now, composing a catalog that includes 15 studio albums and five live albums, Kansas has produced eight gold albums, three sextuple platinum albums, one platinum live album, and two one million selling gold singles, Carry On, Wayward Son, and Dust in the Wind. Now, Kansas has appeared on the Billboard charts over 200 weeks throughout the 70s and 80s and played to sold-out arenas and stadiums throughout North America, Europe, and Japan. Carry On, Wayward Son continues to be one of the top five most requested songs on classic rock radio, and Dust in the Wind has been played on the radio more than three million times. There's also a new three-disc compilation out called Another Fork in the Road, 50 Years of Kansas, out on InsideOutMusic.com. And this Saturday, Kansas is celebrating their 50th anniversary at the Chicago Theater. And to talk about about that journey is original band member and legendary guitarist Richard Williams. Rich, thanks for joining us. Well, good to be here. That's a lot of stuff I don't have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was going to say, I'm exhausted. But the history of Kansas, you know, you're talking five decades of rocking and rolling on stage. I mean, you must be just thrilled. Well, it's the only thing I ever wanted to do. Um, and I know a lot of people that this is what they wanted to do and they never got to. <laughs> so, at this point, yeah, really what I have is just gratitude for getting to do this. I mean, what a great um, life this has been. Yeah. yeah. The opportunity to, to do this and to continue to do it at such a, a high level. Uh, this tour has just been, we've done eight shows. It's been very successful. Um, the fans are loving what we're doing. We're getting to cover some things we haven't done in 45 years. Uh we're covering stuff like the album. It's material from every aspect of Kansas, all, all the studio albums. And so we're covering a bit of it all. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really solid night. And the fans seem very satisfied when they leave. Well, we were just talking about the fact that you just said you're eight shows in and you might get a break in February. I mean, it is not <laughs> stop for you. Well, um, we recently had to move a couple of dates, so we had we had a, we had a week off, and so well we we played a weekend, then we had the next weekend off, so we got two weeks off. Then we had to move a date, so we had three weeks off. Um, that was too much. Mm -hmm. um, my wife travels with me, and. We have a very good balance. Uh, the crew loves the schedule. The guys at the band love it. Where you're always home, but you're always on the road. It's it's just in the days of yore, we used to you know <laughs> travel in a bus, right? And you're gone for months at a time, and you might go home for a week or two. Then you're back out. Um, that's me and Phil, the, my partner Phil Eher, the drummer. We decided quite a while ago that. This has to be fun. Yeah, right. Um, to continue to do it. And so we came up with what we call the Kansas mode, where we try to book every weekend. So I'll leave on a Thursday, come home on a Sunday. And that, is, of course, it's not perfect. We don't always get to do that. Sometimes it's a Thursday show, Saturday show, or whatever. And sometimes in the summer, there are some, like a big fair date comes up in the mm -hmm. middle of 
But for the most part, that's our goal throughout the year. And so, you know, we have we have pets, we have family. It's nice to be able to see everybody. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That makes sense to me. Well, I'm excited you're coming to Chicago this weekend, but I will tell you, it feels to me and millions of others, when it comes to Kansas, your band has always been part of our rock universe. I mean, I, you know, I don't even know of a time, and I know what year I was born, so you were born within that period, but Kansas has always been the thread of rock and roll. Yeah, well, 50 years, there's, uh, as a half century, that encompasses a lot of time in music. I mean, I was born in 1950. Uh, <laughs> talk about different times than where, we, where we're at today. Um, uh, but, you know, coming to Chicago... Gosh, I mean, every aspect of our career has always pointed back to Chicago. We've, we've, I can't count how many different places we played and how many times we've played them. Um, I think the first time we were there, we played at the Corporation, which is a club out west of Chicago. Um, and that was that was our first introduction to Chicago, and it was like, oh, this is what a rock and roll town this is. This is great. Yeah, I think your first big auditorium you played was at the Auditorium Theater at Roosevelt University in Chicago in like 1974. And that was a place for opera and the Chicago Symphony since the 1800s, but became this rock haven in the 70s with bands like Kansas, The Who, Janis Joplin, Hendrix, uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash. It became the place in Chicago for rock and roll, and you played it. Yeah, um, when we played with Martha Hoople, it was, uh, we weren't even supposed to be there. That was supposed to be Queen. Oh. Uh, but somebody with Queen had gotten sick, and they had to cancel. And uh, we got thrown on that tour last minute. And in those days, there was no mass media to spread the word. And so for the first couple of weeks, it was brutal. Because the fans had paid, the Queen album wow. was really starting to bust out. And a lot of people were coming, probably as many were coming to see Queen as they were to see Mount Hoople. And so the lights would go out and, and we'd step on stage, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Kansas. And you could just hear this shock <laughs> oh, no. come over the crowd. Oh, that's terrible. And yeah, we were all pretty green. We didn't really know what, and, and then you, I will hear this on my deathbed. We'll be quick. <laughs> people screaming. It was, a, yeah, it was terrifying. Oh my gosh! But we, we learned something really quick. We were, we were a good band then, you know. Right. And, uh, after playing with a few bands, you know, like Mott stuff, we learned that you're not in a bar anymore, so you're not going to sit there and discuss what songs you're going to play and be tuning and this and that. You know, it's showtime. And we learned, okay, don't even give them, give them a chance to scream. I mean, we're going from song to song. Thank right. you very much. And boom, next song. Yeah, love that. And just wear them down. And so that's what we did <laughs> on that whole Mott tour. And, to, and by the end of our set, we were getting ovations. But um, it was a hostile crowd pretty much every night to begin with. <laughs> We're talking to legendary guitarist Rich Williams of Kansas, and there's more with Rich next on 720 WGN. Day Player 720 WGN. We're talking to Rich Williams of Kansas, performing at the Chicago Theater Saturday night, July 15th, celebrating five decades of rock. 
You are also one of two members of Kansas that has been on every single album ever released from the band. It's been in your blood, but it kind of all started for you. Like I've heard from so many others that seeing the Beatles on Sullivan was a catalyst for you, right? That was, um, you know, the, the British invasion started and it, it exploded with the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And there was, I think it was in Life magazine, mm-hmm. which dates me. Mm-hmm. There was an article in there that, about Topeka, Kansas, and there was more garage bands per capita in Topeka than anywhere in the world. There was a garage band on every block. Everybody I knew played something. And most of that was fueled by the British invasion. And that was fueled in America by the Beatles and Ed Sullivan. So, yeah. And it's so funny when I read other people's stories, they're all telling the same story. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I know the Beatles were big for you, but so were the Yardbirds. That was another element, right? that, that, That comes along. Um, it was Beatles and the Stones, and then here's the yard version. It was something different. And, and for a guitar player, but the, the yard version, you've got you Jimmy Page, you had Jeff Beck, um, you had Eric Clapton. I mean, talk about the holy trinity mm-hmm. of guitar players. I mean, yeah. so much was coming. And then they had the animals and the zombies. Um, once those... The invasion started. It just went on and on and on. Did yeah. Uh, so that was the music stores were thriving in Topeka. There were so many local bands and so many places to play back then. Uh, right. Things have changed since then. I don't think in any city there's a lot of places for any bands to play, which is pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, these earliest days, there must have been just excitement of putting the band together uh, to begin with. But then Don Kirshner saw something in you guys that perplexed most of you at the time. Like ELO, yes, Genesis were all coming out. It was a unique sound that was being welcomed into rock music. But Don's support surprised you guys, didn't it? Well, we, we made a demo tape. And actually, we were called White Clover at the time. Mm-hmm. And that was... Uh, before Harry Livgren, and uh, we made had six songs on the demo tape, and we didn't have, really have a lot of money, so we didn't make. The, we made I don't know if we made ten copies of this tape, and sent it out. Uh, Kirshner was the only nibble we got. Wow, we got we were playing in Dodge City of all places, and during a break, a bartender uh, comes up to us and says, "Yeah, yeah, you've got a phone call from New York." Wow. And okay, um, wow. So we take the call and hi, this is Wally Gold from Don Kirshner's office, and uh, we heard your tape, and we'd like to come out and see you guys. So if you could, you know, have a show set up and let us know when it is, and we'll come out. So we were pretty stunned. They only heard one side of the tape. They didn't know to flip it over, so they only heard three songs. <laughs> wow. But what they they really like the violin and they love the song "Can I Tell You," and so that is what sent Wally Gold out. Um, Wally Gold was fam- he had just finished producing the Barbara Streisand album, wow, and was known for writing the lyrics to um, he did "It's Now or Never" that Elvis did, 
And amazing, which was an old Italian love song mm-hmm. that he put different words to. And he also wrote the songs for uh, It's My Party. Wow. <laughs> so this is a representative coming. We're going, what are we going to do? <laughs> um, yeah. It's not like we had a big following or anything, but there was a place in Allenwood, Kansas called the Allenwood Opera House. And you could rent this place for uh, something like 135 bucks or something. Not bad. And we would rent it and charge 50 cents at the door or whatever, and people would come in. Um, so, well, well, the student Elmwood. Uh, okay, but n- nobody ever comes to say us. <laughs> We're not that popular. So yeah. uh, we had a stroke of marketing genius, and we advertised free beer. And we bought a bunch of cakes of beer and had that set up in there. Yeah. And so the place was completely packed. Everybody's drunk. That's right. <laughs> so when, when Molly comes in, it's yeah. it's an event. <laughs> I love that. And we played, and yeah. um, I don't. Carrie Lupin has a recording of that that night, and it's embarrassing how horrible it is. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, it's, yeah. Okay, it's um, early. It's early. There, there's there are just a few moments. Yeah. There was a song song on the first album called "Death of Mother Nature Sweet," which we had just learned. And at the at the end, there's this big vamp going out. This it's rising and rising and rising, and these vocals are like ah, three part harmony, and it is all over the map. It sounds like three full grown men being being gutted in a closet. It's just it's horrible. <laughs> um, but Wally was so impressed with. I mean, we had. The place was completely full. There was people outside that couldn't get in. And he called Kershaw Bass and said, yeah, there's something really going on with these guys. Awesome. And they signed us. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and it was an odd match, us, us and Kirshner. But he was our benefactor. He was very supportive of us. A lot of tour support. That's great. He hung with us, you know, for, you know, we're into him three albums and Eventually, they all recouped and then some. But at the time, he was pretty deep and out of pocket. And there was a lot of pressure, you know, when we got to the fourth album. Sure. And I'm sure his friends at the club were going, down. you know, these hayseeds from Kansas, I don't, what are you doing? <laughs> but he always said, you know, I, I, I hear something in them. I think yeah. something could happen. And then Left Overture happened. Um, with his support all the way through. And Wayward Son exploded. And, you know, it turns out Don was the genius that everybody said he was. All right, we are talking to legendary guitarist Rich Williams of Kansas, and there's more after the news next year on 720 WGN. Day player 720 WGN. We're talking to Rich Williams of Kansas, performing at the Chicago Theater Saturday night, July 15th, celebrating five decades of rock. When was a single moment in, in those first years of the band, when you knew Kansas made it? And it was probably that album was when we kind of realized that until then, it was just a a constant slow climb up. And so you didn't notice that so much. But with Left Overture, it, it just exploded. But still, we're, you know, we're from the Midwest. We were all pretty grounded guys. Um, speaking of Madison Square Garden, we're in a limo going to the garden. And our manager uh, was so excited. He's going, oh, man, guys, this is just so awesome. 
you know, Madison Square Garden sold out. Well, we were, we wanted to record that night because we were recording what we came to for the show. Sure. And uh, they couldn't, uh, they wanted way too much money to record in that building. It was a ridiculous, so like 75 grand just to connect with the snake. Wow. Back from the it. recording bus to the console. So we said no. So we were a little miffed about that and we're gone. But it was, we were still young and dumb and didn't appreciate the how grand the moment was at the time. He was going, this is so big. This is so big. And yeah, we got So when the show's over, uh, we, we're all going to go to Smiler's Deli to get shrimp salad sandwiches. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of what our minds have. Was. Right, right. Um, it was really, um, in hindsight, and maybe gaining a bit of wisdom and losing a bit of my youth that I started to appreciate those times in a way that I should. And now I learned to appreciate it for the moment. Whereas back then, we had nothing to compare the, that to. So it was, uh, I can only see it in my rearview mirror. But now, like, I'm playing in Chicago, Chicago Theater this weekend. I've been there once. It's a fabulous building. Oh, yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. And yeah. so now I can appreciate the upcoming event for for what it is and to be grateful for it so I can enjoy the moment. I was going to say, what a ride it has been for you. Five decades of doing this. It has been an incredible ride. And honestly, with this 50th anniversary tour and seeing the schedule and and talking to you about it, like this is like it's all come to this big celebration of your music. Yes, it's um, it's getting bigger to us as it goes along. Um Okay, it's 50 years anniversary, but what are, what are we going to do? Well, Inside Out wants to put together a compilation. Okay, well, that, that sounds good. Exactly. That sounds logical. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. So they put together another fork in the road, which is what the 50th anniversary album is. Well, of course, we're going to tour that. But, you know, we've done eight shows, and they've just gone over fantastic. I love, um, love hearing that. And so n- now everybody's is, is, with every show, we're getting more excited about doing this. Uh, uh, Phil and I are probably looking a little too far ahead because, well, I'm sure we're going to do a second lap in 2024. It's going to continue because, you know, 50 cities, it, we, you can't really cover everywhere you want to go. Right, and right. proximity clauses, et cetera, you, you have, kind of have to have a gap in time between shows. But uh, we're we're already booking shows for next year. I don't know how many and how far into twenty twenty four it's going to go. But now, since we're always thinking ahead, it's like, now what? <laughs> yeah, what are we doing in twenty twenty five? Come on, man, let's do this, right? Yeah, I mean, what? How do you top the fiftieth anniversary? You know, yeah. the fifty first anniversary just doesn't. Yeah, you, know, you, there, there you, was, can, you can celebrate fifty. The zero behind them. You 40th, can. 30th was big. Fiftieth is huge. Yeah, but you could do 50th for a couple of years and, and get away with it. Well, that's sure. what we'll do for this <laughs> yeah. year and next year. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess the point is we're not done. Right. Um, so we're, we're we're already thinking we've got to do something to top this I love um, in 2025. So there's no thought of retiring. Uh, uh, this is too much fun to to not do it. Uh 
It's, the reason I got in a band was, A, to avoid the workplace for my entire life, which I've succeeded in doing. And B, I, you know, sitting around with your friends making music, there's just nothing like it. I practice where I'm sitting every day. And trust me when I say there's not a whole lot of joy in that. <laughs> just practicing by myself. But I want to be on top of my game because I know everybody else is going to be when we get together in the dressing room before the show as we start warming up. Um, there's a motivation. And that, the things that I'm playing by myself, now I'm playing with everybody. Oh, this is cool. I'm, what a great part of this song this is. So the, the joy of making music with your friends, there is nothing on earth to compare to that. And you can see this live at the Chicago Theater Saturday, July 15th. And for more on Kansas, visit kansasband.com. Rich, what a great pleasure spending some time with you. And please have fun in the Windy City, my friend. Oh, always do. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it.